1: Hey everyone, before we dive into story box, I want to tell you about two incredible human beings that have supported the story box for quite some time. Now, part of the story box I envisioned being in of service to other people. So the first person that I want to tell you about, his name is Brody Hobton. Now I've known Brody uh, for a very long time now. We were actually went to school together. I watched him grow into a fine, mature, authentic, and genuine human being, young man. That has a love and a passion for what he does. Now, if you are a lover of coffee, where are my coffee lovers out there? I'm personally not a coffee lover, but still, I'm promoting it more for the fact that I know it's going to benefit you guys as well as I believe in what Brody is doing. Now, he's a local business owner out of Western Sydney who is passionate about people and coffee. He believes that. There is this unique power with bringing people together through coffee. It is such an astounding thing, isn't it? Food always has this power of bringing and uniting people together. Just, um, It's an amazing, amazing phenomenon. But if you want to buy his delicious cold brew coffee, he also provides delivery. You can check out the business, which is called My Mate Dave. That's my mate Dave, available through Instagram. You can DM him. He'll make sure to get back to you very very quickly. I guarantee you that. I personally vouch for his character as well and his integrity. So make sure to support young, this young man and his young business and his endeavors because he's going to go places. The next person that I want to tell you about is Chris Sheldrick. Now Chris has been on the podcast before and if you have listened to the episode, you'll know that he's the owner of and co-founder of Thick Cookies, Big Brownies, Banksia, and Passion Tree Velvet. Chris is another amazing supporter of the Storybox. He's a genuine, kind-hearted human being that I really vouch for what he is doing. I love Thick Cookies. I'm just going to make that statement right now. I have a massive sweet tooth, and if you do have a massive sweet tooth yourself, I guarantee you if you if you try these cookies you'll be on another planet entirely. I've tried several other businesses that have the New York style thick cookies. I have to say for me personally Chris's ones take the cake. He uses premium quality ingredients, Belgium chocolate, New Zealand butter, you name it, they are premium. You know that he doesn't substitute on quality because it tastes insanely good. I love going to his markets uh, every so often that I can get there, showing my support, having a talk with him when he's not too busy. But my three favorite flavors that I, I encourage all of you to buy, uh, Funfetti, Caramel, and Caramelk. Those three take the cake for me any day of the week. Guarantee you, you won't go wrong. You can order yours now, and I I encourage you, okay, to order 12, 12 of them because... You, you're going to, you don't don't order one, order 12. And you guys can thank me later because Chris is so kind, so generous that he's going to be giving you guys 20% off each time that you order cookies when you use the code storybox in the checkout, that is storybox. Look up their Instagram page, which is Thick Cookies, And you can also check out their website, which is th- bigandthick.com.au, that's big spelt B-I-D-G and thick, which is T H I C dot com dot AU. Don't forget in the checkout, it is code storybox, all one word, story box, and you'll get 20% off your order. Also, while you're at it, make sure to purchase their new cookie, which is a matchup between get this, master foods, tomato sauce, and the cookie. It's like tomato sauce in a cookie. Uh, I know it sounds weird, but it works. (laughs) So try it out today. Get yours and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you guys for listening to my long-winded explanation of these um, incredible human beings. I hope that you guys really show some kindness and support them as best you can, especially during this time. But enjoy them. Let us know what you think as well. Uh, You can just tag us on Instagram uh, too. But I've spoken too much. Um, I'm going to roll the intro now. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, and you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you've decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the Storybox box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Your kindness might cause you to lose some people, but stay kind. Though if you lose them because you're kind and nice, it's their loss, not yours. Welcome back everyone to Storybox Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you back today because I have a very exciting, a very in-depth conversation for you today. Um, my guest is none other than Najwa Zebian. Now if you don't know who Najwa is, she's is a Lebanese Canadian activist, best-selling author of three books. She is a world-class speaker and educator. Her passion, for language was evident from a very young age as she delved into Arab, Arabic poetry and novels. The search for a home, what Najwa describes as a place where the soul and heart feel at peace, was central to her in her early years. Uh, when she arrived in Canada at the age of 16, she felt unstable and adrift in an unfamiliar place. Nevertheless, she completed her education and went on to become a teacher as well as a doctoral candidate in educational leadership. Her first students, a group of young refugees, led her back to her original passion, which is writing. She began to heal her 16-year-old self by writing to heal her students. Since self-publishing her first collection of poetry and prose in 2016, Najwa has become an inspiration to millions of people worldwide. She has been a trailblazing voice for women everywhere and has been name-dropped by the New York Times, CBS News, among many, many others. She has also creatively collaborated with Google and so many others. Drawing on her own experiences of displacement, discrimination, and abuse, Najwa uses her words to encourage others to build a home within themselves, to live, love, and create fearlessly and oh my goodness was this a fascinating conversation that I know every single one of you is going to feel inspired by her story. We dive into pretty much everything in this conversation and I was absolutely thrilled because Najwa has been someone that I have followed for quite some time. I have heard her speak on many other different podcasts and it was a true delight and joy to actually sit down with her and unbox a story for you guys and also for myself. So with that being said, my friends, I hope you get something from it. Please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to to subscribe. Also, um, if you do wanna leave a donation, you can do that over on the Storybox Podcast Um, under the sponsorship page, just click the donate button any amount is greatly appreciated and i'm thankful to each and every one of you that continues to return each and every week to support the show but continue to share everyone keep building this community um thank you all so much now you know what time it is it's time to dive into the story box and hear the amazing story of the activist the world-renowned speaker Najwa zebian
0: thank you so much for this beautiful introduction
1: you're more than welcome and, and thank you so much for making the time to be on my show today. Like I mentioned off-air that I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Your work has been an inspiration to me. I've listened to a lot of your interviews and I, was, I just had to reach out and I had to speak to you as best I could, so thank you so much. Um, before we dive into your backstory and everything that you do, I normally have one question that I love asking all my guests, which is what does success look like to you?
2: Mm.
0: I believe that success for me looks like being myself authentically in every meaning of that word. I know people use it nowadays just randomly, but I think, to have the courage to genuinely be yourself against anything around you, whether it's culture, religion, your workplace, any kind of environmental external factor to you, the courage to be yourself and fight against that when you have to, that's the definition of success for me. It's not about um, adhering to that image of what those around you think success means it's not about reaching a certain stage in life it's not about making a certain amount of money it's about you having the courage to say this is who i am this is what i want in my life i know that it will definitely upset some people around me i know that it will take quite a bit of unlearning for me about who I am, who I was told I was supposed to be, but I'm going to do it because that's what's important to me. When you reach that point, to me, you're already successful.
1: When did you? When were you able to actually reach this point for yourself? Was it this gradual thing over yeah. time? Do you still work towards it today or did you have this catalyst moment somewhere in your life?
0: I would say there were many catalyst moments in my life but most of them happened over the last four or five years since i began writing again um because everyone thinks that change happens in this magical moment it's like the ending of the movie where you're like making the biggest realization about your life and you're like now i'm gonna do that Mm -hmm. but that's not how it happens i think it happens in little ripples. And it gets bigger and bigger and your ability to be authentically yourself in a certain situation empowers you to be authentically yourself in a a little bit bigger situation and then a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and then you get to a point where you, it's more important for you to live authentically than it is to fit in to someone else's life. And so for me specifically... Uh, One of the first things, for example, was putting my writings out there, knowing how much I spoke about feelings and how, as a woman, as a Muslim woman, at the time I wore the hijab, I don't now, as a visibly Muslim woman um, who belonged to, you know, a community where there were certain things that were accepted and not accepted from women to talk about, um, one of the first steps was putting my writings out there and say, you know what, this is how I feel. And, you know, you could judge me for it. You could say I'm too sensitive. You could say like, where did you experience all of that? Like, did you get into a relationship without being married for you to, to be experiencing these kinds of emotions? Like certain things that were really shameful or considered really shameful, having the ability to say, this is who I am through my writings, and not care about what everyone around me thought of me or whether I had the right to be speaking that way or not, that was a big catalyst for me. um, Because it began with that internal force saying, put it out there. And then it transformed into people from all around the world saying, I feel the same way. And all of a sudden, as I'm telling people you're not alone, They were telling me you're not alone. And so bit by bit, I started recognizing that people around you will always have a problem with the way you are. People had a problem with me when I wore the hijab and people have a problem with me when I'm not wearing it. People um, celebrated me when I was wearing it and some people are celebrating me now that I'm not wearing it. Like there is no perfect place that you can be in your life where you're on everybody's good side, where everybody approves of you. And so the real lesson here, and going back to our definition of success is you need to approve of yourself. And so when little events were happening, like the books, like um, me taking my hijab off, like me moving out of my parents' home before before getting married, which is very frowned upon, like what does a single woman want to do in her own place that she can't do in her parents' home? Overcoming all of that and really saying, you know what? I know myself, I know my intentions, and where were you when I was going through the most difficult times of my life, for you to tell me that you are concerned about the path that I'm taking? It's not genuine when you saw me struggling, And you didn't come to help me or pick me up. So all of those events revealed to me that literally I am the only one who has my back. Nobody else does. There's always going to be a certain level of. Uh, judgment a certain level of wishing that you were different a certain level of saying I'll help her during this time she'll come back to the right path whatever it is there's always going to be an element of that as long as you depend on others to approve of you or to show you that right path you're not the one leading it you need to be the one leading it um so gradually that became clear to me so now I see myself as the leader of my life I see myself as I choose and if that hurts me I learn a lesson I don't say oh yeah they told me not to try this or they told me this would hurt me I take accountability for my actions instead of falling into the victim mentality so yeah definitely a gradual thing
1: There's a lot for me to, there's a lot for me to unbox in just that one (laughs) statement, which I I absolutely love, by the way, there was a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. One of them was you decided to take the hijab off. Why was that? Why was that the case? What was the decision behind that?
0: (laughs) So I started wearing it when I was very young. I was in grade seven. I lived in Lebanon at the time and um, everyone around me wore it. I was attending an Islamic school and basically to be a good girl. um, That was one of the ways where you got closer to God. And, you know, my older sister wore it. I wanted to look like her. It was very normal, for lack of a better word, to see women covered. So They weren't looked at differently in any way where I lived. It was predominantly a Muslim community. And so um, after moving here at 16 and seeing, I mean, I wasn't aware that I was being looked at differently because for the longest time I wasn't looked at differently. So when I came here, I just automatically assumed that people were treating me differently because something's wrong with me. I didn't think it would be the way I chose to dress and then I had an incident on the bus to university when I was 19 years old where I was I was wearing a white hijab I was wearing a long nice long skirt and uh, this older man was staring me down the whole way and he was I remember like distinctly his body was covered with tattoos and just he was staring me down the whole way and then when the time came for him to get off the bus he looked back at me and said you know, you're in Canada, you don't have to dress like that. And that was a life-changing moment for me because immediately I started crying. I, I couldn't, first of all, he didn't give me a chance to speak up for myself because he said that and jumped off the bus. And then I expressed my frustration and anger and hurt through tears. And then I remember later that day, just reflecting back on all the experiences in my life that could have potentially been because I was covered. And I asked myself, do I take this off so that I could avoid this kind of judgment or this kind of treatment? Or do I continue to wake up every morning? Because my hijab was kind of like a safety blanket for me. It wasn't something I was ready to let go of, regardless of the thought behind it, the purpose behind it. It was something I became comfortable in and to feel so suddenly like it was being robbed from me was it didn't feel good and so I said do I take it off look like everybody avoid this kind of judgment or do I wake up every morning and say I am courageous for choosing to wear this and so that's the choice that I made and then over the years so I became a teacher at 22 I began teaching and I started getting called into classrooms and you know, I I loved writing. I loved expression. But the first thing they would ask me to talk about was my hijab and why I wear it and just to bring in that diversity and inclusion and teach students about like being open and being understanding, not being racist, not being Islamophobic. And even though I love talking about those topics, I always felt like there was more to me than just being covered. And the more I spoke about it and about how it's it's just, it's a label. It's something that a person can choose, but it doesn't really label the person as a whole. The more I talked about that, the more it became clear to me that the image of myself that I'm projecting into the world is not the image of myself that I see. Mm -hmm. And I had one really powerful moment uh, one day where I was reflecting deeply on my journey, on where I am in my life, and where I'm headed, and and I started imagining a biography being written about me a hundred years from now. And I looked at the page in my mind, and it would start with "Najwa Zabian changed the world by it's like this or that by helping people heal by all these different things." And then and then it dawned upon me that the picture that I saw, I wasn't covered in it Mm -hmm. and so immediately that initial feeling I had that I'm not projecting the right image of myself into the world that was solidified it was no longer just a feeling just a phase that I was going through it was like you know what this is a change that you know you need to make for yourself and you just have to start somewhere and so that's when I started reflecting on um how life would be without it how it would be perceived because at that point i had people were aware of me i had published two books at the time and i was working on my third and people really attached that label of being a muslim author to me and and i never liked that to be honest with you because it felt like that label um overpowered all the other labels. I love writing. I love helping people heal. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care what your gender identity is. I don't care. I don't care what your religious affiliation is, what your political views are. Everybody goes through struggles and I want to help everyone. So the fact that that was always thrown at me and I was defined by it really got to me. And so I... Decided just like that day when I decided that courage would be to continue wearing it every single day. Now I told myself now courage is taking it off because you don't see yourself wearing it anymore, and you see your value as a woman is not dependent on how many inches of skin you cover, so that's that's where that happened
1: that truly is beautiful, and I love the way you described how you know wearing it or back then was perceived as being courageous but now taking it off is more courageous and i think for me and my life and finding out my own identity it happened very recently like last year like everything just sort of collapsed on top of me and mm-hmm. i've been through i've been through a lot of pain like physical mental emotional sexual abuse all kinds of stuff so there's a lot there was a lot for me to really heal and last year, just mm-hmm. all just collapsed. And I was sort of like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Where am I going in life? And it was actually one person asked me a simple question. He's like, why do you want to work in this place? That sort of got my, my brain. It kind of reminds me of Sparks of the Phoenix, you know, like where you want to go in life. Yes. Those, those, little, those little moments that just are a spark or catalyst for the much greater. And um on the train ride home, I was just like, well, I wanna I wanna help people. I want to help people heal their own pain. Very much like you, Najwa. Yes. Because you're very right. Mm-hmm. We're all human beings. We all go through struggles. And I don't care, you know, we're all created equal. We're all human. We all got blood. We've all got, you know, mm-hmm. skin, bone, the only thing that makes us different, and I think it's beautiful and unique at the same time, is our personality. But I think yes. we've all got to come to a point of just accepting the fact that even though we do have different beliefs, we do have different ideologies and all that. That we we can come to a place that if you do have pain, we can relate to that, and we can say, "Look, you're not alone. It's okay. We can heal." And um, I always talk about i am versus i do and for such a long time i kept telling myself that i am this person when i really wasn't rather than i get to do that that's not my that's not my identity that's not who i am that's what i get to do in life who i am is my character who i am yeah. is my my beliefs and my integrity my character yes. that's all who I am and I think that's an important distinction to make for for so many people but sorry I'm rambling a little bit but what I want to ask you is
2: no, no, no.
1: why do you think why do you believe in in your experience over the years why do you think it is is hard for people to sort of live their authentic self
0: I think it's because they're afraid that being their authentic self will make people not love them or will make people walk away from them because our biggest need from the moment we're born is to feel loved and to feel like we are a part of something to feel like we belong and many times like think of this i don't know if you're in a relationship i don't know if you've been in a relationship but to the people listening When you are in a relationship and say your partner does something that really hurts your feelings, at first you're angry. You're like, how could he or she do this? How could they hurt me this way? I'm going to confront them about it. The moment you think of confronting them, your knees start to shake because you know the consequences of you speaking up. Mm. You're afraid of telling them that something hurt you when you have fully have the right to feel hurt. You're entitled to your feelings, but you're afraid and you might choose to not speak to them about it and choose to make compromises at your own end simply because you know that one of the possibilities of you talking about it is them leaving mm. and you don't want them. And I, so I believe that the biggest thing that stops people from being their authentic self is fear of being um, pushed away Fear of being shamed, fear of feeling like you're on the wrong path. But it, at the end of the day, all of those options, all of those fears are a direct result of you defining your worth by how others see you, by how much love others believe you deserve, based on what you do, based on who you are, based on. So you're putting your sense of worthiness based on what others choose to do about the way that they see you. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Once you let go of that and stop seeing yourself through the eyes of others and ask yourself genuinely, what do I think of myself? Not through anyone else's eyes. Let go of rules, let go of culture, let go of religion, let go of tradition, let go of, Um, you know, that ideal life that those around you have built in your mind, like you get an education, then you get married, then you have kids, you have this many kids, then you live here, you make this much money. Let go of all of that. You as a human being right now, I don't care what designer clothes or clothes you're not wearing. I don't care about what the, the physical features or things that you have surrounding you are you as a human being with this heart and soul and brain that you have what do you think of yourself and just the thought of that makes people cry sometimes cuz they don't know mm-hmm. they've been defining themselves for so long through mm-hmm. the eyes of others i am not good enough good enough for who yeah good enough for what what does that even mean to say i'm not good enough what are you not good enough For and who are you not good enough for? Once you really ask yourself that question, that's when your journey of coming back to yourself begins. Because now you're going to discover who you are and you're going to discover what you think of yourself and you're going to discover all the things that you've done and said that you need to forgive yourself for, be compassionate with yourself for. You're going to discover all the people in your life who don't belong in your life, all the people in your life who, you know, have taught you that you need to be a certain way for you to be worthy. And so all of that begins with that question. What do I think of myself? What do I believe about myself? What do I think about my worth? And just genuinely answer those questions for yourself.
1: And I think for a lot of people, it's also fear of missing out, fear of loss. And what that actually looks like for them, because I had those, I had all those fears and I'm only, I'm only 24. And what I will say Mm -hmm. to a lot of of people, you know, I went on the journey. It was the hardest thing that I've ever done. It was painful. It, it opened my eyes to a lot of fears that I had in my life. And I had to really dig deep and do the work and really uncover some things that I had buried for a very, very long time. That was my choice. And when I uncovered them, it was like, why were they, why did I bury them in the first place? And it was very, it was very confronting. And I was, it was almost like this. I was like this little small person confronted with a massive, massive dragon in front of me. If I was to paint a picture and I had, no weapon at all to confront this dragon, and the dragon was had like heaps of heads, and it was staring at me in the face. All these eyes, all of these heads as well, just directly at me. And I was like, "What do I got? What have I got? I've got my bare strength. That's it. Kind of like the Her- Herculean um, fight in the Hydra. Kind of like <laughs> that. But when I mm-hmm. finally made the choice to just... Face up to it and say i can I can beat this I'm able to do it and here 's how I was able to heal and it does take time yes it does take mm-hmm. uh, it does take pain, but when you embrace the pain, it is the most beautiful thing in the world because beyond the pain is that peace is that yeah. Realization of of inner beauty or you really know who you are.
2: Yeah.
1: It's an amazing yes. thing. Uh-huh. It
2: is absolutely
1: I wanted to ask you as well, speaking about fear, what are what are some fears that you yes. have at the moment, or do you have any fears right now?
0: Hmm. I feel like because I've I've gotten to a point where I know what being my authentic self looks like, my biggest fear is in moments where I feel judged or shamed by those who I love, that I will compromise being my authentic self to keep them happy with me or to keep them from being upset um, I would say that's my biggest fear at the moment because as much as I've drawn boundaries and as much as I've really flourished um, among those who are surrounding me and who have surrounded me for a long time I still understand that there are limits to those boundaries with them and It's like, you have to draw a line between knowing what to share with others, knowing and knowing what it's, is not their business to know about you. Because I've always had, not up to this point in my life, but I had always had this need to let those close to me know what I'm doing. And and in hindsight, it was a way for me to get their approval. Like this is how I'm filling my time. This is, and now it's like the real lesson is about learning what is mine to keep, and what do I need to share um, versus what do I what am I used to sharing? So it's 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 this dance between. Um, reverting back to my old habits and old ways and embracing this new person that i am so so my fear is not honoring this new person that i am and betraying myself in a way yeah
2: mm. uh,
1: i I kind of understand that as well <laughs> um it is a very very difficult thing to. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. And one of the things that I've learned about doing this is I am a new person. All the old stuff happened for a reason. And all the the pain that you and I have probably been through over the years, that was all there to bring us to where we are today. And you know, we still go through, I still go through pain, but when when I share that vulnerability, when I share what I've been through, that's able to help. It might be able to help somebody else. And I'm not, yes. afraid, I'm not afraid to do that. And whatever I've been through, doesn't matter what it is, I'm comfortable with sharing it. And I reached that place just this year, actually, where I was like, if I have a story to share that could be helpful to somebody else, why not share it? What's stopping me? Is it because I'm afraid of what others are going to think of me? Why? What's wrong with that? Like, so I put away the judgment. I put away the ego, the pride, and I just allowed myself to just be me for once. And it was was an amazing thing (laughs) because instead of having people, you know, I I like how you said before, you know, people are going to judge you where the, you are a certain way or whether you're not I'm just going to be there and judge you anyway i think it's your choice whether or not you allow it to affect you or not and that's what i yes. that's what i do like i just shrug it off it's okay you have your opinions of me fantastic mm-hmm. um but thank you thank you so much for sharing that i i want to be respectful of, of your time um What has been the worst piece of advice you've ever received over the years?
2: Ooh. Um,
0: When I came forward and shared my story of sexual harassment publicly, um, one person who was close to me said... You shouldn't have done that because at the end of the day, he's a man, but you're a girl. Mm -hmm. You have Mm -hmm. to protect your reputation. And that hurt so much at the time. But even though that wasn't a piece of advice, that was more like unsolicited um, commentary, the undertone of it was, Protect your. As a girl, you need to protect your reputation, and it doesn't matter what someone else chooses to do with you. It's the way that you, um, it's whether you shine the light on it or not that is the problem. And so, again, and another hidden message was, if you could keep this secret, then you're okay. And the more and more I thought about it, I was like, talking about it or not not talking about it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Like I'm hurting, I'm in pain. So what's the purpose of me staying quiet? Is it to uh, not bring attention on myself? Because that's not my intention. My intention is to say, this happened to me, and it was wrong. And another argument that I would get was, well, it wasn't that bad. Like, It wasn't as bad as you described it to be, and I'm like, okay. So if it wasn't as bad as as I'm describing it, why can't I talk about it? And the moment I would say that to someone, they would go quiet because they know I'm right. If it's not that bad, why is it so wrong for me to talk about it, right? So I would say the worst piece of advice I've gotten was, as a girl, as a woman, it's your responsibility to protect your reputation, whatever that means. Um, Because that holds you back. And that held me back for so long. And once I let go of it, once I let go of that word altogether, I felt like my therapist at the time described it this way. She's like, you are growing prolifically. And those around you don't have the capacity to see that growth. That's why you're continuously feeling like you're isolated and alone and being pushed away because you're growing and the person that they are seeing they don't recognize so i've embraced that growth as opposed to embracing going back to a place that i had to kind of be in a jar to be accepted and loved
1: mm. you mentioned the the sexual harassment case and having been yeah. someone that has gone through sexual abuse and sexual harassment as well. Um, I'm curious, like, what was it like for you and how were you able to heal from that? Or are you still healing from that today?
0: Um, So it definitely wasn't, like, I feel like to a certain extent I have gone through going over it a million times I've gone through all the arguments I had in my mind where I blamed myself or where I was waiting for an apology or where I was waiting for someone to say I believe you or waiting for someone to say yeah you know what that was bad enough you should have spoken about waiting waiting for anyone's approval other than myself I've gone through all of that and the experience itself was so painful and so traumatizing in a way that It changed me as a person to my core, and I think it just really woke me up to, who are you? What do you accept? What don't you accept? It kind of put me at a crossroads where I could no longer be a passive person in my own story. I had to be someone who seemed like a villain at one point for speaking up, And that was a label that I wasn't comfortable with because I've always been, I had always been, not I've always been, because I'm not like that anymore. I had always been at that point, the good girl, the quiet girl, the girl that everybody loved, the one that's so kind that everybody comes to, no matter how much they hurt her, she'll forgive them. And now I was this person saying that person hurt me and what he did to me was wrong. And so I became in the eyes of so many and people who didn't even know me, someone who wanted to ruin someone else's life when really I was the one whose life was ruined, but it happened in silence and private. You didn't see it. Now you're seeing someone else's life go down, whatever that means. So in addition to how awful the experience was, the blessing in it is that it got me to a point where I had to choose myself. I had to choose between myself and the self that I thought I needed to be in order to be okay. So breaking my silence took away that image of the good girl from me. And now I'm, uh, I'm somebody who knows what she stands for and somebody who knows how to say no. And somebody who, um, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Someone who won't shrink herself or silence herself just to be accepted by someone, whoever that is. Um, And now that some time has passed, I don't regret not one bit of it. And if anything... At the beginning, I was blaming myself for so much of it. And now I'm at a point where I know where I went wrong and I take responsibility for it. And I'm compassionate with my younger self because I always say, you never asked to be abused. You were asking for love. You were asking for respect. Mm -hmm. What they chose to give you and the things within you that they saw that they chose to take advantage of, that's their choice. You didn't choose that upon yourself. So I can say that with peace and I could say it without having any sense of resentment, without having any sense of you owe me an apology. You owe me to reverse back what you did. There's none of that. There's peace. There is peace with who I am and there is peace with who that person is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that answers your question.
1: It really does.
0: And I, I'm and I'm. Went through that too, because that's it, it, there's no right word to say. It's not even like I'm sorry that you went through that. That doesn't even that. You know what I mean? It's just there's there are no words to tell someone who's experienced something like that because it doesn't take away anything.
1: No, and you're completely right. I mean, it is it is the person's choice to face up to it and really deal with it, like. Like I was saying before, for many years I buried it, and it was only very recently yeah. that I started getting like these flashbacks, and I started remembering, mm-hmm. things and I thought, "Hang on a minute, no, 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 that didn't happen. I'm a man. That that can't happen." Um, yeah. And I just like sort of, I was living in a daze, if that makes sense. And yes, when I finally asked. My, my parents about it, they were like, yes. And the moment, the moment that they said it did happen and I was like, well, crap, now what? You, you, you're smashed in the face with this moment of realisation yep. that it's actually true.
0: Yeah.
1: And you've been living for 24 years thinking that it wasn't. And um, yes. I sort of had to make a choice in that moment. So what do I want to do? Do I want to sort of move forward or do I want to be stuck and dwell on it? Yes. And, you know, I, I chose to move forward. And because I came up with this, this method I call the CAP method and C stands for choice, A stands for acceptance and P stands for persistence. And so I realized, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to put this into practice. Okay. So I made the choice to accept my current reality for what it was. I didn't have to accept the pain. I didn't have to accept that, you know, this was a bad thing that I went through. I could choose to move forward and just accept that it happened. Yes. It was painful then. It was painful for a little bit now. Now I'm going to be persistent with not allowing the negative to keep coming back up inside and swallow me whole. I'm going to use this now to help others that may be struggling with a similar thing that may not know how to get past the pain or the struggle or the hurt because it is a very difficult thing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very different, but trust me, I've been through the pain. I'm one of those people that I made the choice early on that I don't have to stay here. And it's the same for everybody else. You don't have to stay there. I know it is a difficult thing. But once you make that choice to accept that it did happen, then you can start working on finding that inner peace. I've found that inner peace right now. It is amazing. (laughs) But you don't ever have to apologize, Najwa, that I wouldn't change anything for the world any of the pain nothing because it's made me into the person that I am today and it's enabling yes. me to live the purpose that I was I believe I was born to live so I appreciate you saying that though of course I have um, two more questions for you if you don't mind I've really really enjoyed this of conversation um, I feel like I talked to you for ages uh, this, is my, this is my all-time favorite question that I love asking people towards the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100. You sort of touched on this earlier um, with the, the writings. Yeah. But you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done and ask me how in the world they got it. We'll just call it magic. Being able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
0: I want that film to show me as someone who had a big heart who didn't define her worthiness by what others chose to take from that big heart, but by what she had in that big heart. I would want it to show me as a strong, confident, independent woman who refused to be confined by anything that she didn't believe in, who refused to compromise her morals and values when it comes to how we should be as human beings towards one another, regardless of any label. Um, I would want it to show the love that I always had inside of me that I wanted to spread Genuinely, towards anyone who needed it. That's what comes to mind.
1: That's a beautiful legacy to leave behind. My thank you. My final question for you is more of a fun question because uh, I feel like we've yes. been very very, very serious. <laughs> um, this one: like, what has what is your what is the weirdest food combination you've ever tried?
2: weirdest food combination. Mm.
0: I'm I'm usually very picky with the foods I eat, but I would say when I was younger, uh, my mom used to eat grapes with pita bread. Like she would wrap the grape in pita bread and eat it. And it was so delicious. I haven't had that in a while, but I would say that's the weirdest food combination I've had.
1: (laughs) Need to try that sweet and.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like a fruit with bread. Like, I know we eat jam and stuff, but it's different. Like a full grape with wrapped in pita bread. Just try it.
1: Okay. I'm going to have to add that to my uh, ever growing list now because I'm a huge fan of (laughs) like. and all that sort of stuff, but I'd never heard of putting a grape with pita bread. That's amazing. Okay. Um, my Najwa, thank you so much for your time today. I really have enjoyed this conversation. Where can people find you, connect with you and learn more about your amazing work?
0: So I'm on all social media platforms. Uh, My username is at Najwa Zabian, N-A-J-W-A-Z-E-B-I-A-N. Um, I'm on TikTok, I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. There's also my website. And if they would like to read my books, they are literally at any bookstore that you can go to. And they're also on Amazon. Mind Platter, if you're looking to find who you really are as a person and what you stand for in life. The Nectar of Pain, if you've gone through any painful experience and you just want someone who says, I get it. And Sparks of Phoenix is if you have gone through that pain and you want someone to tell you I get it and also someone to walk you through to get to a point where you rise from the ashes of what was meant to bury you.
1: Mm. I love the sparks of phoenix. That's a, that's a beautiful one. And the nectar of pain. Such a a powerful title, that one. The sweetness of pain. Just the yes. amazing thing. Najwa, thank you so much. You
0: had mentioned, just very quickly, you had mentioned earlier that beyond the pain, there's so much. I would say through the pain, there's so much. You have to go through the pain. You have to to see it through as opposed to just keep telling yourself there's better on the other side. There's better on the other side. There's better within. Feeling it already is better than not feeling it. That's it.
1: I don't want this conversation to end, (laughs) but thank you so much for your kindness, your story, your vulnerability, your, your courage. It's really has, it's inspired me and it's challenged me today. So thank you once again for coming on the Storybox podcast. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this and I hope that
0: whoever listens to it, they can grab some healing.
1: I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the Box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box... I'm Jay Fansom and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time.